0: Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at the That That bit's important. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. This is a podcast from The Bugle. Hello, Earncasters. I am Andy Zaltzman coming to you live from Melbourne, Australia on what should have been the morning after the fifth day of the Boxing Day Test. But it is not that morning. Because the fifth day came as close to happening as Elvis Presley came to winning the World Snooker Championship. We were so far away from having a fifth day in this Test match that even if they'd played the whole match again, ball by ball from the start, exactly the same, we'd have only got past lunch on day five because the overrate was crap. No prizes for guessing which team ended up on the losing side of uh, that uh, festival of batting ineptitude uh, on a tricky pitch, it must be said. England... 3 0 down, Felicity Ward joining me as always on the Urncast. If we'd started doing this series in the year 2002, this would be the fifth time in six series in Australia that I'd said, ah, oh, f- we're 3 0 down after three. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Andy, I don't I don't even know what to say. I spoke to a friend who is also a comedian and who is an English cricket fan, and we've never had a harsh word, anything more than warmth, civility. Even, you know, we've shared some stuff in our lives, and I would say he was almost rude to me this morning when we spoke and I was trying to show sympathy. For him and for the fans and for England. And he said, so you think we're cute, do you? And I was like, oh, this is going to go badly. This is, I'm not able to get out of this, am I? So I am a little bit wary to say anything. I will say, I really feel for you. (laughs) I think this is a very... Difficult series for you to be out there and away from your family at a time when I assume you need a few hugs.
0: It's been difficult. I've not even been able to hug my colleagues because we've all been <laughs> sort of trying to keep away from each other because there's been COVID chaos through You're the media hearts. ranks. Yeah. But I mean, it's it, it's all over. Yeah. Uh, Felicity, uh, I've been in in uh, Australia now for almost six weeks, and I've seen five days of cricket plus a session of Something that may or may not have been cricket at at the end, on day three of the MTG test. And the Ashes is already over, which may be some kind of record, I think, for least cricket seen, uh, other than my two colleagues who were quarantined in in Adelaide. So saw the Ashes gone after seeing three days of live cricket out of a potential 25. So here we are. We're used to the Ashes being over uh, at this stage. I mean, like I said, the fifth time in six that England have been 3-0 down after three. It's all over. It's all over by the well, recrimination and quadrennial <laughs> debate about the state of English cricket and the contractually obligated final two tests and the eternal bafflement that Scott Boland took six wickets for seven runs in four overs. I mean, it was a great story, Felicity, but in his entire first-class career, I'd looked at the stats, he'd never even taken three wickets in his first four overs of an innings, let alone six in a test match. Does this make England three times rubbisher than the rubbishest state team that Scott Boland had played against? Please don't answer that question. Okay, good.
1: It. I was just checking if okay. that was rhetorical or not. Yeah. It was. Look, there is some uh, uh, some downsides to um, Scott Boland getting so many wickets, and that's um, he doesn't have any hair left because every time he got a wicket, all the boys would come over and, and <laughs> tussle his hair, and so he's just got a bald spot there now. Nothing wrong with that. They rubbed him a bald patch. Yeah. Pretty disrespectful.
0: Yeah, that's that's what that's why my hair's like it is because every every time I tell a so many wickets, it's more a t- sensational, Joker. Rub myself on the head in congratulations. I mean, you've and got a luxury is, in head of hair. For that is... Um, draw your own conclusions.
1: I haven't told a good joke <laughs> in my life. I think this podcast would bear witness to that. Something very interesting came to light this week when I was trying to explain the rules of cricket loosely to my mother-in-law. And I said, yeah, the, the England have lost the ashes. And, and she said, oh, so do they come home now? And I said, no, 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 they've still got two more tests to play. And she said... But they've lost. I went, Yeah, yeah. And she said, So why do they play? And I went, That's a fing good question, Joe.
2: <laughs>
1: like if you don't play five sets at Wimbledon if you've won by three. You know what I mean? It's yeah. really it's a it's a walk of shame. It's the vinegar strokes of sport.
0: A family show. I mean it would certainly Sorry. Make, it would make boxing a much more interesting sport if they if they applied the same rules uh, in that.
1: Well if there's a knockout, you get out. <laughs> You don't keep beating the shit out of a man that's unconscious.
0: I guess it goes back to the early tours where you know you played matches <laughs> to earn money from people coming to watch. And if you're getting a boat to Australia, you're not going to come home just because you've been shit yeah. in the first three games. And also, you know, this—I mean, England's had numerous great victories in Dead Ashes series. I mean, it was for 15 years, really, through the 90s and the early 2000s, all we could cling to. As uh, as England, in fact. they've slightly dried up in Australia uh, of late. I mean, <laughs> if England can get a win in the next two matches, a it will be a f-ing miracle, and b it will be England's first win in three series in Australia, um, yeah. and I think right. only their seventh in the last thirty-two years in Australia. So, I mean, there is, you know, that would be something, not necessarily to build on, but to uh, clear the foundations uh, for a, a brighter future.
1: England have got to do something. They've got to do something. They've got to do something for the fans. That's who I feel sorry for. I don't know if you saw this. The Barmy Army have even put out a statement about the state of English cricket. Really? They've put out a statement, not a song, not a video clip of a drunk sunburnt man with a trumpet. They have put out a political <laughs> statement on where they stand right. in the entire cricketing
0: structure. And and presumably this comes from the top brass in in, in the Barmy Army.
2: the Field Marshals.
0: To be honest, I think I might suggest to the Barmy Army that that, that they they should look at themselves. I believe their repertoire of songs has diminished over the years, and I think this may be affecting the team. Uh, There's far far too much reliance (laughs) on Don't Take Me Home and uh, the basic uh, We Are the Army, the Barmy Army uh, song. I, I, I think they've lost... They've lost a lot of variety as much as England have in their bowling attack.
1: Well, that's what happens. They feed off each other. It's a live show, like any live show. So this is, I mean, this is the full statement. There are no jokes here. I just, I brought this up. We in the Barmy Army are loyal and passionate Test cricket fans. We support the team through good times and bad, but we are gutted and distraught that we've lost the Ashes so soon. However... As all the England fans in Australia have shown from Brisbane to Melbourne, we will never waver in our loyal support for the team. Here's where it gets saucy. (laughs) It's clear there are fundamental and structural issues with the county game and its level of prioritisation is not working for the Test team. The lack of attention given to men's red ball cricket is clearly evident in the disappointing performances of the Test team. We were shown a stark reminder of the vulnerability of the format we know and love when the fifth India test was cancelled on the day of the game. What can we do as fans? We can make our voice heard. Rather than being disgruntled on social media, we want to be proactive and represent our members. As such, we'll be listening to and consolidating members' opinions and contacting the ECB with our thoughts. We will be partnering with Cricket Supporters Association to combine our feedback to share with the ECB. Then it says, no matter what, we remain unconditionally supportive of the England team. We've been amazed by people staying up over the world, hoping for that next wicket, next boundary, and getting behind the team. We'll certainly be right behind the lads for the next test. Come on, England.
0: Well, I mean, those are strong words from, from the army. Mm. And I've also heard rumours they are mobilising the territorial Barmy army as well for reinforcements for the final uh, two tests. So <laughs> the reservists could be called up. That's how desperate it's got. There's been a huge amount of examination of the state of English cricket. And uh, I mean, th- I'm going to throw this your way, Felicity. Uh, yes, this has been bad. Okay,
1: I look forward to not being able to answer this.
0: I'm going to bring this up from my my stat whack later on in the show. England uh, Amir... Yes, 18 runs per wicket worse than Australia in this series. Now, admittedly, um, mm. Australia's batting hasn't been you know, as spectacular as it has in previous series, and England have only averaged about 18 runs per wicket. But in terms of the runs per wicket gap, this is actually the least shit of England's five 3-0 defeats in terms of performance in the first three tests to lose the Ashes. I mean, I'm really making that stat work. Uh, in the only way that it can possibly yeah. make that point, but you know, if you do, you know, Australia minus England, then you can you can kid yourself that we're getting better, even though patently we're getting a lot worse. So let let me cling to that.
1: Well, the good news is I am terrible at fractions, <laughs> so what you can just tell me whatever happened and I will believe you.
0: That is the joy of stats felicity.
1: That is as, the joy of stats. As I've said I don't before. need to know.
0: If you shove your hand far enough up, then you can make them say whatever you want. But in terms of the...
1: (laughs) You're a poet, Andrew. In terms of
0: the uh, analysis and the the post-mortems, I mean... The Ashes began with a post-mortem. In 1882, a satirical magazine <laughs> uh, printed a mock obituary of English cricket and said the body would be cremated and the Ashes taken to Australia. And then the following uh, winter, stroke, summer, winter, uh, it's there. It's, it, it, it snows in the winter. I mean, I'm here in Australia and people claim it's summer uh, just because it's hot. I don't believe it. It's It's winter. Winter goes through the winter months. Anyway, the following winter, 1882-83, the Ashes were created physically and they've sort of existed ever since. I think with this series, rather than printing a mock obituary, they'll just lob it over the garden fence and forget about it. Very much like the people whose house backed onto ours did with a dead fox a few short years ago. Just lobbed it over the fence (laughs) and made it someone else's problem. Really? Yes. Absolutely. Did you
1: see them? You saw them just lob it over. No,
0: we filled in the blanks on this one. There was a uh, dead fox lying right by our fence in a way that you wouldn't expect a fox mm-hmm. to just die. <laughs> and so...
1: Slumped with one arm, looking kind of casual. <laughs> like he was relaxing rather than dead.
0: Anyway, so I think the reason that... We, Weekend at we Bernie's the... with a fox. We discovered the reason why the fox may have been lobbed over the fence. When we called the council to say, we've got a dead fox in the garden, can you come and pick it up? And they said, "Uh, yeah, that'll be £70. (laughs) So, 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 anyway. (laughs) I I digress. The point is, I feel a similar level of disappointment as I did that morning, finding the dead fox on my lawn as watching England's batting. It was a dead fox in the garden of a batting performance. I mean... As contests go, this is the yeah. disappointing thing. We sort of talked about it in, uh, uh, last week after the 2-0 the, the game. This series has been about as gripping and unpredictable as Badger versus Articulated Lorry on a motorway. It's been you know, one-sided. <laughs> and un- I mean, sure, Badger is always better at home in the woods, <laughs> but away on the motorway, it just doesn't have the technique to cope or the firepower.
1: No, and it's, it's not agile enough to dodge an entire truck, basically. I'm pretty happy with the woodland creature analogies and feel free to use as many more as you like.
0: Okay, thank you. It's good to have that that, that clearance.
1: (laughs) That support.
0: The test, as most tests seem to be these days, was um, overshadowed by more uh, COVID uh, issues. Uh, There were positive tests in the uh, uh, wider England setup, and the players were late to the ground on, on day two, having had to do. Test And then after the game, uh, Chris Silverwood, the England coach, head coach, is having to isolate as a close contact. Now, is it possible, Felicity, for Chris Silverwood to have had a worse tour as England head coach, that everything's gone wrong? They've gone 3-0 down. His decision-making, his selection, he's the, he's the chief selector as well, in this bizarre mixed role. They've gone 3-0 down. His decisions have been panned across the board And now he has to sit out the next test due to uh, COVID contact, meaning that England will almost certainly play brilliantly and win.
1: Yeah, 100%. I expect them to win, yeah, the next test, absolutely. Chris Silverwood has been asked to isolate. Fortunately, he hasn't been anywhere near the team since November. (laughs) And you can expect more of those throughout the episode. I mean, Chris Silverwood, the Academy Award for looking like he once gave a shit. I'm sure you saw the post game interview and it was like he just won like a thousand quid at the poker machines and made it to the G just before the game had finished. Like Leach had sent him a text saying, are you nearby? I think it's going to finish soon. And he bolted over from Melbourne casino and then just ran into a journalist. Like he didn't actually know what had happened with the game. He's just like, yeah, boys, 110%, game of two halves, a lot of positives. You did take one of the positives. It was COVID. That was the test. It was COVID.
0: Yes, I think from speaking to people in cricket, he's very respected as a coach, and uh, but he's clearly struggled as England supremo. And I, I mean, it's hard to know what, you know what what can a head coach say in that in that situation. He can't really come out and say, "Fucking hell, we have been so shit." And I've been shit. Uh, he can't really do that. I mean, I mean it would be interesting if someone did in any sport. Joe Root did. Pat Rafter did it, the Australian tennis player. I remember him uh, after a Wimbledon final. He didn't quite say it in those terms, but uh, he said, yeah, I guess I choked. And uh, yeah, it was what, such yeah. a disarming moment of, uh, of honesty.
1: Welcome to Australia, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what we're known for? <laughs> disarming honesty. We're like, oh, I didn't know you were going to tell me how you really felt. I thought you were just going to lie and then gossip behind my back later.
0: <laughs> in terms of his selections, uh, Felicity, England made four changes for this test match. Now, it's the first time mm. that they've made four changes uh, within a series in Australia from one match to the next since 1974-5 when they did it twice and they were getting absolutely hammered by uh, uh, Jeff Thompson and Dennis Lilly at their fearsome peak. It's the 10th time in 21 tests <laughs> that England... Have made four changes t- 10 times in 21 tests. They've done so 10 times in the previous 236 tests over almost 19 years. Now, some of this is due to COVID and this sort of elective rotation in the squad that they started doing when having won the first three games of the year, they then started sending people home from India and the whole thing went since when they've lost nine and won one and drawn two, largely thanks to rain. The question I have for you, Felicity. And I've got the answer here on a piece of card. Hit me. Are England struggling because they keep changing the team, or are they changing the team because they are struggling?
1: Oh, this is a chicken and right. egg situation, isn't it, Andy? Um, I'm
0: going to have to push you for an answer.
1: I'm going to say kindness is important. And so I think that they're struggling because they keep changing the team. And if they just had right. the same team, they'd probably beat us 5 0. <laughs> Did that sound convincing? No, it
0: didn't. And you're wrong. It's both. The answer is both. Yes, they're, they're struggling because they keep changing the team and they're changing the team because they're struggling. It's a chicken and egg situation in which the chicken mm. and egg are wrestling <laughs> in some kind of weird feathery omelette situation. Fundamentally, it's uh, it's not going very well.
1: just got a breaking Chris Silverwood joke. Chris Silverwood is a close contact for someone who's tested positive for COVID. It's the closest he's been to a test since last summer. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: I gave you a question. I understand you have a a quiz question for me, Felicity.
1: Yes, I do. Now, this is a a bit of a simple, straightforward one, but I thought for the listeners, if you didn't just watch the test at the G, here is a little quiz question for you. One hundred and forty nine, two ninety seven, one ninety two, one eighty five, sixty eight. Is this Labashane's <laughs> next Ashes scorecard, or is it the current England team's innings so far?
0: Oh, oh, that was cruel. Six sixty eight. That
1: was really cruel, wasn't
0: it? <laughs> I, I've been deliberately trying not to think of the number sixty eight for the last. Three days, Felicity. Sorry. England all out for 68.
1: I've been trying not to think of 69.
0: It's a, a family, family show.
1: It's not.
0: 68 all out. I mean, it's only England's second worst score against Australia in the last two series. Uh, it, the last six games since uh, Headingley, they bowled out for 67 and went on to win in a game that I'm sure Nathan Lyon hasn't thought of every single minute of every single day after (laughs) dropping that ball with just a couple of runs needed to win, even if he subsequently won the Ashes uh, back. It's their third lowest against Australia since 1904... And their lowest in Australia since 1904. It's also their shortest innings against Australia. By one ball ahead of that Leeds debacle in 2019. 117 years of Ashes cricket. The shittest innings England have had since then. It's basically equal. One run more, one ball less than Headingley. But Headingley they went on to win. Whereas here they ended up losing six wickets and four overs to Scott Boland. So this is the (laughs) shittest innings England have had against Australia since the, and 1904, they made 100. And, it's the it's the worst innings against Australia since 1902. 120 years. The first of January 1902, 61 all out in 15 overs.
1: I mean, the only time they played worse cricket was before women had the vote. <laughs> so maybe it's time to rescind the vote. Maybe that's Ooh. what's keeping you do, keeping a, you back. I
0: mean, it's an interesting and surprisingly anti-feminist angle you've taken there, Felicity. I wasn't really expecting well, that. Well, you know.
1: I'm look. I'm here. I'm not like other girls. <laughs> I've just most of my friends are men, and you know, I just don't really get along with girls. So,
0: <laughs> so you want to strip them of the vote? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just always, you know, whinging. Why yeah. don't they just like get on with it? You know, guys are just easier to get along with. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know me or doesn't understand the tone of irony or sarcasm. <laughs> That is so far away from what I believe in. who I am. I just need you to know that because I don't want to get angry tweets or come-ons from guys going, Oh, I heard you're not like all the other girls. <laughs> I like those girls. Andy, we've got another sponsorship ad this week. It's very cricket-related, don't worry. Um, and it's actually something very helpful. Uh, so here it is. Let's just have a little listen and see if it's a product for you. Do you ever listen to the cricket and think, who's that commentating? No? Well, this ad isn't for you. Hi, I'm Felicity Ward, and when I'm not trying to stay awake for a near-obsolete cricket format, I'm trying to figure out which damn ex-player I'm listening to talk about said cricket format. We've all heard of Shazam, the app that tells you what song you're listening to. Well, now it's time to download the app that tells you who's yelling, how's that? <laughs> it's called Who's that? And for just eleven Australian dollars, or forty nine p, you can have the world of cricket sounds in your podcast. Gilly, Hussy, sometimes they sound the same. Get who's that? Not being racist, they just get excited at the same pitch. Which Chapel brother is this, and why is there more than one? <laughs> By who's that? Is it Aggers? Is it Athers? Why do their names sound the same, but their voices not at all?
3: (laughs) Wonders will never cease until you buy Who's (laughs) That! I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. To find out if it's right for you,
0: let's uh, try and find some negatives for Australia. Uh, Steve Smith's form, Felicity, uh, mm. in the previous two Ashes series, he averaged over 100. He averaged over 110, which even Bradman didn't do in back to back Ashes well, in two Ashes series in his career but he's looked really sort of out of sorts and out of rhythm in in his batting uh what do you think I mean is it insufficient cricket is it insufficient youth is he just getting older is, are his eyes is he just having a bit of a rut or is it uh, did he his make eyes some, did he <laughs> did he make some sort of Faustian pat with the devil to bat incredibly in 2019 and we're now seeing that he's only being okay
1: what's his average now Andy?
0: In this series, well, I mean, it's probably better than, uh, well, pretty much every other England player apart from Joe Root, I would imagine, but yeah. 30-odd? You had a nine, scratchy 93 in uh, Adelaide?
1: Yeah, I mean, a scratchy 93 is still a 93, let's be real about that.
0: Yes. I mean, yes, it's higher than any scoring that are made in this series. Yes. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I think that Steve Smith is allowed to have a couple of tests that he's not the best player. (laughs) I think that's absolutely fine. (laughs) That he's not the best player in the world. Sorry, let me correct myself. He still added runs on the board. I think having a three test, well, you know, that's not even a three test slump if 93 is in there. (laughs) He's allowed to be off his game. That's right. what I think. I, I mean, I'm not trying to be rude, but you did bring this up the last episode too. Oh, so it, it does oh, feel, sorry. just briefly, just briefly, <laughs> I think you're trying to plant a seed of doubt so that I do start to question yes. the confidence of the Australians. That's team. how it works,
0: isn't it? I say it to you as an Australian and it naturally <laughs> yeah. osmoses into the souls of all other Australians and thereby into the mind of Steve Smith and he will never be the same again and I will have played my part in England regaining the Ashes. Uh, in true. Do you know what that's called? Yep.
1: It's called Osmosis, but it's spelled A U S M O S I S. And that's a great A pun there for yes. all you, listeners, and for Andy Zaltzman.
0: And in many ways, in 2019, he was the Osmosis in which he led his team, although oh. he wasn't captain anymore, uh, through the. the Lovely. Th- through to well, he, retaining the Ashes. He did
1: split the team in two, though. Yeah, and yeah walk good through point. Through them. So. Good point. I mean, we've got to take this shit on tour. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Silverwood has had to isolate for 10 days, but for safety, he's just going to stay in his hotel till
0: 2023. One final question from Melbourne, and I want you to be as honest as you like. Have you ever seen a tireder-looking cricketer than Ollie Robinson, the England seamer? He's done reasonably well in this series without ruining Australia, but the first balls of his spells, he reminds me of... We used to have a guy in our village team who was about 75 (laughs) and had clearly been a good bowler about 40 years previously. And his first ball, it was you could almost hear ratchets and, and cogs going in his body as he, his arm kind of creaked over and the ball kind of trickled down the pitch. And Ollie Robinson, who's 27, I think, I think this is quite a valuable thing as a bowler because if you're a batsman and you see some guy lumbering in and dobbing it down at 70 miles an hour who you know can bowl a lot faster than that, it lulls you into a sense of Full security, and then wickets wickets become a net. I think it's quite a crafty strategy. Mm.
1: Do you think Ollie Robinson's just running up to the crease going, I just want to watch Tipping Point? (laughs) I take you, Ollie Robinson, and I raise you a Joe Root.
2: Right. Yes, Yes. Joe
1: Root has always had the somewhat demeanour of a Dickensian orphan, but he now has the appearance to match. He looks hungry. That man (laughs) looks thin And tired. I watched an interview with Nasser Hussain and he made a great point that when Michael Vaughan started captaining the one-day team, he had an energy that Hussain knew he couldn't match. And that's when he knew his time as captain was over. Does Root have the energy to lead this team into two more tests against Australia? Because at the moment, he doesn't look like he has the energy to rub off a scratch card.
0: (laughs) I think that's a fair point. I mean, he's had a lot to cope with as England captain. Captaining a team that's crumbling... Uh, during Covid, a hectic schedule, they've played four series against the, in a row against the top three teams. I mean, usually you get some... some you know, In that schedule, there's, there's some respite, but they've faced the three top bowling attacks in the world. All the batters apart from him have failed massively. Uh, and they've all got a lot... He's, it, uh, here's an interesting stat. I, have the, I think there's 14 players who played for England last year and this year, 2020 and 2021. Mm. Only root has averaged more this year than last year. And that includes not just all the specialist batsmen, but all the wicket keepers, all-rounders and bowlers. Every single one has got worse at batting this year, Jesus apart Christ. from Root, who's had one of the best years a test batsman's ever had. So you can understand him just being being knackered and you know, it's his second time in Australia getting thrashed. You know, Generally, England captains last a maximum of about four to four and a half years. He's had that now mm. and... Yeah, I mean, I think if there was an obvious candidate, I think he'd probably step down at the end of the series. He's also young enough that he could do it again in three or four years' time. And there's no, yeah. no read. We tend to you know, think when a captain stops, that's it. He would never do it again. Whereas, you know, he might come back better having learned from this, you know, what's been a, you know, an interesting up and down five years. Is, you know, his win rates are similar to uh, Alistair Cook before him. Mm. So I'd be surprised if he carries on after this.
1: I would like to see him enjoy the game again. Because he does not look like he's enjoying the game. He looks tired and disappointed most of the time that he's out. Even when he hits a six, he's <laughs> like, oh, I'm just going to have to keep hitting more of those, aren't I?
0: The look on his face as well, particularly when you see him walk out to bat, there's an unmistakable look on his face which says, oh, shit, I'm coming in at full for two again. England's average score at the fall of the second wicket in 2021 has been, I think, 36.2 after the Melbourne, Melbourne test. And so when you're captaining and then you have to go out to bat straight away with your team in trouble, it's been it's been absolutely brutal for him. Yeah. And I think I don't
1: think the team's sorry, actually sorry recovered him. from heat stroke in Adelaide. I think
2: <laughs>
1: the ones that don't have COVID have heat stroke. Wasn't it thirty seven degrees one day that they were playing?
0: Just uh, it was one uh, one I can't quite remember. It's all a bit of a Blur, it all got quite chaotic. And there was one day when it was really hot. You, we don't really feel it so much in the commentary boxes because they tend to be air-conditioned. Air but there was one day just walking to the ground and you just sort of arrive drenched and exhausted. And you think, how do people play professional sports? In this? <laughs> I always think that watching the Australian Open when it gets... I mean, you see yeah. players just literally boiling and you know becoming casseroles yeah. during the course of a game.
1: Well, that's what I think about this England team. They need to be training in a kiln. They don't have access <laughs> to these kind of conditions. They don't come out and play the Sheffield Shield for Australia. Well, or do they?
0: No. But should they? Now, I'm going to throw this at you, Felicity. Uh, hey, there's me. been a lot of talk of the inadequacies of county cricket. I think there needs to be a global scheme where countries send their A team or their youth team or, you know, just a, some kind of selection team to play in the first-class competition of other countries. So you'd get, say, a you know, a Pakistan oh. A coming to play a season in the county championship, England A playing a season in the Sheffield Shield. And a, a global scheme around the world, I think it would benefit... It would be quite expensive. A lot of the players obviously have this, the T20 behemoth gnawing away at cricket from the inside might make it logistically awkward. But I think it's something that ought to be feasible and would benefit all cricket nations. Discuss!
1: A little student exchange yes. programme. I love it. I mean, it worked for, well, a lot of people in my Japanese class. I couldn't afford to go to Japan, but, you know, it seemed to work for them and, and bully for them.
0: Yes. I went on a French exchange and I came back with a newfound respect for cheese and ham toasties, which was all they seemed to eat um, in the house I was in.
1: Well, that sounds tray beyond. You have to excuse me. I speak a little German. Um I love it, Andy. I absolutely love it because what you get with any kind of cultural exchange program is you get to see the rest of the world and uh, you get to understand how other people live and how other people play cricket and something that's come up time and time again almost every time I talk about cricket, definitely on this podcast before or in the previous incarnation, is cricket in India, cricket in Australia is something that people play on a daily basis, that people play it in their backyards, in their driveways. Girls play it at school. It's a, a working class game. And I say working class actually to mean everyone kind of has a crack at it. Whereas over here it's it's not – people play football. You know, you take a football to a picnic or whatever. But unless you've got full whites and pads and kit, it doesn't seem like something you just like – Whip out at the park. That sounded rude.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is, well, it's certainly true now. I mean, I think it didn't used to be the case. I mean, English cricket has always been riven by class to the extent where up until relatively recently, professional players and amateur players in the same team would use different dressing rooms and in some grounds would use different uh, gates to get onto the pitch. Uh, It it was, I mean, really weird. England didn't, uh, it was viewed for a long time that a professional could not captain England At at cricket I think that that only changed after the the second world war but it used to be the case that you know cricket was much more of a universal sport in England Uh, and even when when I was a kid there were you know there were some privately educated players in the England team but the vast majority weren't whereas now Mm. the vast majority have come through private schools now this is you know not to not to say they shouldn't pick private school players but it highlights the fact that there must be a large amount of talent that used to be going into cricket that is no longer going into that for various reasons uh, relating to, you know, the changes in society, the, the lack of visibility of cricket as a sport since it went off mm. off free-to-air, the, the, the flogging off of school playing fields is one of the greatest acts of social vandalism perpetrated over decades by various governments. So the upshot is, as you say, it is much less of a universal game in England than it used to be. I'm not sure it was ever... As universal as it is in in Australia and India, uh, as you were saying, and pa- Pakistan and uh, and other places, mm. but I think one of the reasons behind England's struggles is the lack of depth. Uh, I mean, in some ways, they're getting you know the facilities at private schools now are such that they're almost getting ready-made professional players, but yeah, you know, the talent pool I think must be shallower.
1: I mean, it's so it's so stupid because. What you need to do is harness young, angry, working-class men's fury. And what better way to do that than to get them to hit something with a bat or throw a ball at someone?
0: (laughs) Now, yes. So, I mean, I think you're absolutely on to something here, Felicity. I would go further than that even and say that cricket is the only thing that should be taught in state schools. (laughs) Because it's obviously, A, the greatest thing that ever existed. B, it teaches you about life. It's, it's, a, it's a metaphor for the human condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you mm-hmm. say, it's an outlet. And, uh, oh, cricket and drama. That's, that's the only things I want taught at my kids' school. It teaches
1: you patience. It yeah. teaches you dexterity. It teaches you about teamwork. Yeah. It teaches you how to tell someone to f off without the microphones hearing you.
0: If, uh, these are all valuable life skills. And, uh,
1: valuable life lessons.
0: It teaches, from my memory of uh, cricket at school, it teaches you about fear and failure. As well, and look, these are important <laughs> things to get baked into your existence. I want cricket and drama because that's the skills my kids need—the ability to pretend that they are living happy and fulfilled lives, have jobs that they want to do, and own their own homes, which you know, think for their generation is going to be absolutely crucial. Well, it's good that in this cricket podcast we've sorted out the education problems for for the United Kingdom. Thank you.
1: Well, Barmy Army, if you are listening, we've just solved the problem. So if you could take that to the ECB, that'd be lovely. I also love the idea of the entire Barmy Army not being allowed in to speak to the board of the ECB. So they all just stand outside and sing, <laughs>
2: <laughs> they sing their
1: suggestions. Oi, <laughs> oi, one of the things that we would like to see is more focus on the working class county cricket. hi, oi, hi, hi! hi, hi. <laughs> It could work.
0: On the subject of songs, uh, we have a song, Felicity, especially commissioned Can you believe for it? the Urn cast? We
1: have a lovely friend, Geraldine Quinn, long-time friend, long-time cricket lover, long-time musical comedian, and something, I don't think we've had a song on the show before, have we?
0: Well, I mean, you did one one minute ago. Does that Does that not count?
1: I mean, someone who has talent. Right. But this is the first song that we've had commissioned yeah. and written for the show, isn't it?
0: It is, yeah. It's, very it's exciting, exciting
1: stuff. And um, Geraldine, like you, is in Melbourne. So let's have a listen to Geraldine Quinn's Ode to the MCG Test.
2: Hey there, Melbourne. You've been through it, girl. And during the very longest lockdown in the world, at least we got the third test. We started Boxing Day. The English team had everything for which to play By Monday afternoon they were giving us a fight I went to bed that evening A little too late at night And then I missed it I slept in and I missed it I tuned in late and we're 68 The Brits were in the shit Oh golly gosh I missed it 80 minutes and I missed it. I guess we still have 2023. 20, you have to concede that it was poetry. When debutant Scott Boland was the one who held the key. Six of seven, kinda heaven. Look, you have to laugh. I wish I hadn't slipped in for a laugh. Joseph, you've reached a new frontier You match the global record of ducks within a year, oh, but I missed it, Crack, pardon me, I missed it Don't get mad I do feel bad It was so goddamn quick I mean, bloody hell, I missed it Too tired, I missed it I guess we still have 20 Truly wish you the
1: best at the SCG. Yes, Geraldine Quinn sleeping in and missing the game. And we all know from last episode how painful it is to miss the cricket. Yes. Could I also just say, um, if anyone does want to find out more about Geraldine Quinn, her website is Geraldine Quinn, and that is with two ends.com.
0: Bugle Earncast Q&A section. Well, uh, we've opened this up to the public this week, Felicity. We've uh, asked for questions on Twitter. Uh, Thank you to everyone who sent in a question. A deluge. It was a veritable veritable deluge. Some, just a bit harsh. Niharika Prasad, I'm looking at you. Should England lose... It's test match status.
1: I mean, in the previous series of this podcast, that would be called an undoubted sick burn, Nereka. (laughs) Absolutely brutal.
0: I mean, in terms of teams losing their test status, it was often said about Bangladesh in the early years of their test existence when they lost pretty much every game that they should lose their test status. They are the only team that's had a worse collective batting average in a year of test cricket this millennium than England in 2021. They had about three or four years in the 2000s when they were worse than England. And that's even factoring Joe Root into the equation.
1: That's right. I don't don't have any more jokey ways to (laughs) apologise or show compassion to you. It is so relentless. I'm
0: immune. I'm immune. A lifetime of pain. At Wambling Future asks, can England outsource their Ashes campaign to India, who seem to have a better chance of winning in Australia? And India have one they their last two series in Australia. It's a global marketplace. This makes perfect sense to me. If, <laughs> you know, we pay India to play the ashes for us.
1: I mean, that does have echoes of colonisation. I'm, I'm <laughs> not...
0: Yes. It feels really like a through. very
1: English sentiment to go, could we just outsource this to India? It's, like,
0: <laughs> it's huh, the British way, Felicity.
1: It is the British way. Is there another country that we could pay to do our dirty work? <laughs> Hopefully someone that isn't, you know, the same colour as us.
0: I think this is the acceptable side of colonialism. It's, it's <laughs> acknowledging that other countries are better than us at things that we used to be good at and uh, at allowing them to do it for us. I think that's perfectly fair.
1: Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> I loved the next one, the, um, the Shah of Blah. The question was, should the UK rejoin the EU and import South African batters via coal laws in order to improve their batting? Now, this is the problem when you ask Bugle followers for questions. They end up <laughs> outsmarting you with recondite and obscure legal references. I cannot participate in this question.
0: <laughs> well, the the pack laws, it was a... Uh, I'm sure, back me up or correct me on this. It was a... um Coldpack was a Slovenian handball player... And it was a court case about where he he was allowed to play sport in the EU. And uh, an upshot of this, by a circuitous route, was that South uh, South Africans could play county cricket, not as overseas players. And England uh, also uh, sort of helped the the, the the talent drain from South Africa boosted England's ranks for several years. But since we left the EU, this pathway is no longer open, and we've missed out on numerous potentially outstanding cricketers that really should be the backbone. Of England. <laughs> and all the more galling is that Marnus Labuschagne, born in South Africa, um, mm-hmm. moved to Australia as a child, but can't help feeling he slipped through the net.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Head is correct. me. Slovakian, not Slovenian, apparently. Thank you. Devon Conway of New Zealand scored a double hundred against England, played in South Africa to his mid 20s. I mean, he definitely, definitely should be playing for England. I mean, even, you know, the likes of Kagiso Rabada, currently in the South African team. Basically, yeah, we could have had that. England have lacked the fast bowlers. You've got Rabada and Gidi doing very well in the Test match against, uh, against India. They've uh, got Arnric Norkier bowls over 90 miles an hour. These should be the backbone of England's fast bowling attack in the ashes. Yep. Thanks, Brexit. You've ruined everything.
1: Yeah, you'll never have another KP again.
0: Marco, who goes by the tag at Oslofer. Uh, have England considered naming extras as their next captain? sundries as they're known in australia seeing as uh, they are england's most consistent performer after joe root uh, well i mean this was uh a bit, we've been tracking the root stats through the year he's ended up with 1708 runs the most uh, third most by a player in a calendar year 3.2 times as many as england's next top scorer a record by an embarrassing margin 1178 runs more than rory burns also a massive record extras was third after rory burns as top scorer but I'm going to pick, pick you up on this, Marco, because actually extras haven't had that good a year. <laughs> Out of all the years in which England have played at least 15 tests, they this is the year that they've had the fewest extras. So even extras have been and off form improving. for England this year. <laughs> so I'm not having it.
1: <laughs> I was actually going to, before I read these, I was going to make a joke saying that at the SCG test, the openers now are Rory Burns and extras.
0: <laughs> we could just retire the number two batting position. Like you get you know, football teams retiring yeah. shirts. And we don't Indian- have openers anymore. We have an yeah. opener. Yeah. India nearly retired the number four position when Tendulkar retired. Just go straight from three to five. Just lose an automatic
1: <laughs> wicket. <laughs> That's out of respect, though, not out of desperation.
0: Daniel Norcross, who was a, a, a guest on our review of the Brisbane, the first of the three debacles uh, that we've had so far, sent us this question. In the one parallel universe, and it will be only one, where this England team beat this Australian team, how do they do it? Well, Daniel, long-time fan of the show, uh, you can also listen to Daniel's own uh, cricket podcast uh, with Stephen Finn and Toby Tarrant. There are, as you well know, 287 parallel cricket universes. The idyllic, perfect one, in which England won this Ashes series, had a... A rusty, out-of-practice Australian team, in turmoil after the sudden resignation of their captain after a frank- for a frankly embarrassing reason. Still <laughs> uncertain after losing a home series to an injury-ravaged India. B, an uncharacteristically cool Australian summer, leading to a couple of pitches that suit English bowlers. C, an England team battle-hardened after a year of tough test cricket, enlivened by the return of their talismanic all-rounder. D, Australia losing its best bowler for the second test and its second-best bowler for the second and third tests. E, England winning the crucial first toss of, of the series in conditions tailor-made for their bowling attack. F. Steve Smith out of form, relatively, and ageing David Warner battling to keep the flame alive. Harrison Head haunted by their failures in England in 2019, and crucially, G. They would have had in this parallel universe at least one decent practice match. They'd have had Joffrey Archer fit, Harold Larwood back from the dead, Len Hutton brought back to life as well, and given the elixir of eternal youth. Ian Botham popping out of a TARDIS in his late 1970s pomp, saying, "What year is it?" Ollie Pope having become the Ollie Pope he should have become, rather than this curious shadow version of Ollie Pope that he actually has become, Jasprit Bumrah granted instant English citizenship, Manus Labashain repatriated to South Africa and Pat Cummins arrested and put on trial in the hay for crimes against humanity for his role in the 13th century crusade. Then, then I think it would be one all after three. It would have been a draw, <laughs> draw in Adelaide. So, I mean, it was just that crucial seventh factor that didn't fall into place.
1: It's always the seventh, isn't it?
0: <laughs> just a couple of quick ones. Filth D... Um, says, did you have a little bet on for the Ducks record? Were you worried at how close to the wire that got? Well, we again, this is another thing we've been uh, I've, I've certainly been tracking on TMS since the early months of the year. The most Ducks in a year. 54 England equalled it uh, with the final Duck of their second innings, Ollie Robinson's Duck. Equalled the record. Most Ducks by a team in a year. But this England team had one fewer match than the 1998 England team, so they win it on a tiebreaker.
2: Yes.
0: Also, they had way more ducks in the top order, so they those ducks were more punishing, more damaging to England. So, yes, it's <laughs> been the duckiest Test year in uh, in history. They, I mean, they really stepped up to the plate because it looked only one duck in the first innings. That's inning, what you
1: thought, they do. Four you know, in the second well, Australia innings. Australia said to them at the beginning of the year, "Go duck yourself," and they did.
0: <laughs> Thank you for your contributions to that. I hope we've answered every possible question about this series so far. Well, that brings us almost to the end of this episode of the Bugle Ashes Urn cast, Uh, and the urn has indeed been cast out of the window yet again and smashed (laughs) on the ground in a pool of despair. I've been holding this, trying to avoid this for as long as possible, but I can no longer avoid it. Stand back, it's a stat whack. (laughs) You know,
1: Andy, I've heard you do that I'm going to say thirty times, and it never stops being <laughs> funny to me. Never.
0: Um, a lot of stats emerge from this game. We've already mentioned some of them. I'll just run through some of the others. And if I just, if you just hear whimpering and quiet crying in the background, please be patient. Uh, some of these stats are going to be quite uh, harrowing. So, Pat, uh, I think we need a bit of a bit of music to to make them a little more palatable. This was the quickest Ashes loss. In Australia, 852.3 overs in the three tests combined. In terms of total overs played before going 3-0 down, uh, no touring team in Ashes history has ever lost that quickly. England have lost a couple of series at home that quickly. To put this in context, Felicity, in 1924-25, England went 3-0 down after three, but they dragged it out for 1,377 overs, and they were eight ball overs, so the equivalent of... 1,803, more than twice as much cricket before the dead fist of total failure ground itself into the face of naive English hope. England have lost the series, having scored only 1,125 runs in three tests. That's the third fewest scored in the ashes to go 3-0 down after the fifty-fifty-one England team. There was a... Uh, badly rain affected game involved in that had some very low scores and Australia in 1886 when uh, before bats were legalized uh, I think Australia won by an innings after scoring 267. that is the second lowest score in Ash's history to win by an innings after 172 England scored at old Trafford before winning by an innings against Australia in 1888. Uh, it's the uh, joint 8th lowest ever score to win by an innings and the lowest against England, the lowest by anyone in 35 years. Australia's first innings lead of 82 runs was the third lowest ever to win uh, a test match Bayern innings I mean uh, do do I I have to go on England still only have two batsmen with 50s after three tests that's only the fifth time in the history of test cricket that after three tests of a series a team's had only two players reach 50 it's only the second time it's happened uh, in uh, the Ashes The 68 all-out was the fourth time that England had been out in under-30 overs in the last four years. It happened in Auckland against New Zealand, against Ireland at Lords on the first morning, against Australia at Leeds in that uh, 67 all-out we talked about, and then at the MCG uh, this time. England had been bowled out in under-30 overs four times in the previous 114 years, and now it's happened four times in four years. It didn't happen at all from 1905 to 1980, it was the 13th time they've been out for under 200 this year, the joint second most by a team in a year, the 8th time they've been out for under 150, the joint most ever but on the plus side Marnus Labuschagne failed, out for one Felicity, in his previous 14 tests in the first innings he'd made at least 40 which was an all time record, the previous and most consecutive first innings 40s was 11 so at least we've broken the Labuschagne spell Here endeth the stats. Amen. Well, Felicity, that concludes this week's... uh Earncast. I mean, it's been a disappointing series on on the cricket field. Of course, the Earncast has been um, topping the cricket podcast charts in Chile and Finland. So, yeah, we've, we've got that to cling to. We'll be back to analyse England's uh, glorious dead rubber victory in the Sydney Test match. Uh, I mean, how how badly do you think Australia are going to be thrashed in Sydney?
1: Oh, pretty badly. I think it's going to be a humiliation. It might undo, actually, all their good work from the first three tests. Right. Yeah. I'm doing my best here, Andy. I'm doing my best here, man.
0: <laughs> to be honest, I think if anything other than five nil now, even if it's a rain affected draw, most England fans yes would take, take in a heartbeat.
1: Oh, gagging for a four nil draw! Absolutely <laughs> begging for one. That would be a victory. That would, if that happens, you will see drunk Englishmen on the plane home. <laughs> Cheering, disrupting the passengers. They're going to have a brilliant time on a draw. And you'll get a new Barmy Army song out of it. Coincidentally, this is the only time that uh, England have tried to avoid whitewashing in their entire history.
0: <laughs> well, you know, a draw would be something, you know, from small acorns, uh, generally pigs have dinner. But, <laughs> but, you know, a tree may grow from the shit that the pig subsequently does. Let, let's Let's cling to that. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week to analyse England's glorious thrashing of Australia in the SCG test that now seems inevitable. From me, Andy Zaltzman, here in a frankly delusional Melbourne, Uh, goodbye.
1: And Felicity Ward in a very cold London apartment.
0: Farewell. You can listen to other programmes from The Bugle, including The Bugle, The Last Post, Tiny Revolutions and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts.